Hey everyone, just one question this week that we got messaged to us. Simple, straight to the point. What is your favorite quote from a horror movie or series? Actually, that's not simple. Uh, yeah. It's straight to the point, but that is not simple. I'm honestly, of all the horror movies, all the quotes, everything else between Game Over Man and Here's Johnny, all that stuff. The one that always sticks in my head is Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh, when they're up there to saying we're up here making improvements to my summer home and these kids start killing themselves all over my property. Yeah, that one over there threw himself into a wood chipper. I'm just like, because they're so sincere and scared and confused. It is just one of the best, like, just perspective swap versions of a movie ever. I love it so much. Uh, how about you, Megan? Uh, it, it tends to be, I, there's, there's way too many, there's way too many, but it tends to yeah, be so many, the, uh, the silly short ones, you know, like same yeah. thing, Tucker and Dale, like we've had a doozy of a day. Um, yeah. or like when Tom Atkins answers the phone, thrill me in night of the creeps, oh, like it's yes. so like off the wall, but, uh, <laughs> to try and narrow it down, I went with one that I like to say a lot over the last two years specifically which is mccready's line from the thing where he's like nobody trusts anybody now and we're all very tired Aww. yeah i mean so. it's true it's true that's actually the cover photo i think from my facebook page is it? <laughs> see it's it's timely it never goes out of style yeah. uh how about you Zina? i have a lot too but i i and at first i was just gonna pick one but i wanna i want it all so i'm gonna pick three <laughs> And I'll, I'll do something which is, is no surprise. This is Night of the Demons quote. Roger mm -hmm. is me and I am Roger. Basically, when he was just like going on his whole rant about how his daddy's a preacher and, you know, he knows better than to be fooling with this stuff and that this is the house of the it's dead and he's leaving now before it's too late. And it's like, yes, Roger. But it was too late. It was too late for him to leave. <laughs> and then I have to also talk about Tales from the Hood, Mr. Sims. Oh. This ain't no funeral home. It what about still the gives shit? Me chills. With the way he oh, yeah, says that, that. <laughs> every time, the shit. The shit. <laughs> I can't even do it. It's amazing. He, oh, he was just so talented. And then the last one, just because uh, for some reason I decided to rewatch Lovecraft Country. Um, and yeah, episode three is like by far my favorite episode just in case if you haven't seen it, but it has like a very uh, haunted house theme. And mm -hmm. basically in a nice way, there was this spirit that was telling them to get out of my house. And he was doing this shaky head thing that John loves. And it, uh -huh. it ruined me. It ruined me. Like it's, <laughs> it gives me chills. Like I love scary type of stuff that really affects my heart and soul. Nice. Speaking of affecting your heart and soul, welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone. The podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to help us discuss the disgusting, you know her as the movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, or movie fanatic and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hi. And you know her from her YouTube channel and website, Real Queen of Horn, or Infant Love for the Genre, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hi. Hi. And I'm John. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. And if not, we're going to do our quick round the table for the movies, books, games, or anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile right now. Maybe with things that'll make you smile too. So, Megan, what's been filling your heart this week? Look at what's spicing it up! Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> you added that spice so fast, we didn't see it coming. John with the quick spice. Oh, uh, old school Emerald Lagasse, just bam, right at you. Bam. 
Um, so I have not completed it, but I have been watching uh, the latest volume of Love, Death, and Robots on Netflix. This is volume three that uh, came out pretty recently. And funny fact is, like, as of today, they announced that it's been greenlit for volume four. Uh, if you don't know what Love, Death, and Robots is, it is a collection of animated short stories that span various genres from, like, sci-fi to fantasy to horror dark comedy um there is lots of horror especially in volume three uh so i will talk about two of my absolute favorites i think if you know me you know i adore aquatic horror and uh david fincher directed a short in volume three called bad traveling and it's like this pirate ship that gets uh kind of invaded by this monstrous crustacean monster that mm. uh is really gory mm. about beating and uh, makes a bargain with one of them. So it's it's a little bit paranoia among the crew. It's got this creature uh, down below deck. Um, lots of rotted corpses, shredded corpses. Good stuff. It's really good stuff. And it's also <laughs> short. It's less than 20 minutes. And then if you don't like the gore, the one that just stole my heart. Absolutely the most adorable zombie invasion I've ever seen oh, in my life. <laughs> Night of the Mini Dead. It is so freaking cute. It is all miniatures. It's little miniatures. It's a couple who have sex at a cemetery and unwittingly spark a zombie apocalypse. But it's all done in miniatures. Mm. And like because the people are tiny miniatures, they're like squeaky voice. Ah! And it's really, <laughs> really cute. It's the most adorable zombie apocalypse I've ever seen. So, And that one's like, I don't know, seven minutes tops. So it's super short. Really, really cute. Um, so, so far, yeah, those are my favorites. It does have like a kind of killer siren mermaid-ish story. Um, so, yeah, if you don't have a whole lot of time, that's a good way to, to fill it. Um, and then I watched on Prime Video. This was a rewatch for me. I've seen this numerous times. It's Last Shift. Came out in 2015. A rookie police officer, Jessica Lauren, is assigned the last shift at a closing police station. She comes to learn that it's home to the ultimate embodiment of evil and his devoted followers. It is like Charles Manson cult story meets ghost story. This this police station is haunted. And it's really effectively creepy. There's a lot of good scares in this one. Um and it's a pretty simple story, but the way that Anthony de Blasi, like, directs it, um, I, I like to revisit it. Because if you want a good scare, I feel like it's got a few of them. And I really like how the cult people look, too. They're really kind of creepy. So, yeah. That one's so good. Nice. I watched. So, you know, I feel like I'm just having, like, Xena go last. But that's yeah, okay. like, what? It it's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I watched. 1BR from Shudder, which was Xena's pick. Sarah starts anew in L.A., but as she moves into an apartment complex that seems too good to be true, she soon discovers that her new neighbors are not what they seem. All right, Xena, why this one? I just really love this one. It surprised me. Um, I liked it a lot. It was like one of my favorites that I watched in 2020. It definitely surprised me. I was surprised at how quickly it got into things. I thought that there was going to be a lot more buildup because it kind of starts with, okay, something's kind of going on. What's going on? And then boom, <laughs> it's like they just kind of, you just dive right in. The, the mystery, the mystery only exists for like the first 30 minutes. And then it's kind of more the suspense thriller aspect of what's going on. And I don't even want to say what the subgenre of it yeah. is because it'll give it away. And I was impressed. 
I I really like the pacing of it felt a lot different than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated that. It's it's not a complicated story by any mm-hmm. means. In fact, it felt No, I don't want to say what it felt like. <laughs> yeah. Uh because I feel like it will give it away. But there is another movie that I was like, wow, this feels a lot like another movie, popular movie from around that time. But I'm not gonna say. Okay. It might have been the same director. I didn't do my research. <laughs> but I'm glad that you liked it. And I'm glad that you said that it didn't head in that direction that you thought. Because that's how I felt about it. Like, I thought it was going to go, like, a completely different direction. And I was wrong. Yeah. I was I was very surprised at the, the turn that it took and how quickly it took it. So, yeah. I thought it was really, really well done. It was a, just a nice shift in pacing yeah. than I'm traditionally used to in a lot of horror movies. Nice. And then I watched 2019 Saint Maud, Megan's pick, which was available for free on Amazon. Woo-hoo. I didn't have to rent anything. A pious nurse becomes dangerously obsessed with saving the soul of her dying patient. All right, Megan, why this one? It tends to be divisive. Um, and <laughs> I was very curious because you like a lot of horror that doesn't hold hands. And this one definitely does not. Mm-hmm. So I was curious where you would fall on that divisive line. Yeah, I... I I thought a lot about this after I watched. Did I watch it yesterday or two days ago? I think I might have just watched it yesterday. But I've been thinking. I thought about it a lot yesterday. <laughs> we'll say that. It definitely feels like the sort of movie that will come out of the same studio that did like Hereditary. Yeah. And it, it a little bit more on the art house side of things. Maybe not as much as some of the other movies that have come out of the theater. It's very layered. I would say. It, uh, there's going to be the message that the director has, like like mother and Darren, Aron- Darren, Aronofsky, Darren Aronofsky's mother. Mm-hmm. Like, there's his story. But if you don't know what his story is, it's like you're watching it like, wait, what's going on? Like, I kind of think I know what's going on, and I can take this at surface level, but it's a little bit weird. And that's kind of how St. Maud was to me. Not nearly as extreme in the imagery the way that, that mother was, but... I decided to take it largely at surface value. Okay. Like exactly what we were seeing and not read into it. But that's just because that's how I wanted to see it. Because I thought about like, oh, what could that mean? What could that mean? What's happening there? Like what's happening there? And then you get to the end and you're like, wait, what? Wow, that ending. (laughs) Yeah. So, and because I decided I want to take the ending at surface level. I was just like, because I totally realized that it probably isn't surface level. (laughs) Because of everything else that's happened in the movie, I just like that it happened. And I was kind of like, all right, what's going on here now? <laughs> uh, it, not my favorite movie, mostly because any form of religious self-flagellation bothers me to no end, knowing that people actually do that to themselves is very disheartening to me that they feel like they need to inflict pain or the concept of don't waste your pain, which is a reoccurring theme in this to the point where I had to Google it. And I'm like, oh, no, that's a reoccurring theme. For some people. And that's, depending on how you take it, if you take it surface level, it's brutal. If you take it metaphorically, oh, okay, I get it. Which is kind of a flip-flop in terms in this movie. I liked it, though. I was a little bit worried that I wasn't going to enjoy it because, like I said last episode, it seemed like there was a lot of buildup for it. Yeah. And then it came out and it was just kind of like, hmm. Like, some people are like, okay. Even the people who seemed really excited for it weren't like, yes, this is exactly what we thought we were going to get. 
So to be fair, this is one that had like a ton of delays right around yeah. the lockdown. <clears throat> so I think that that deflated yeah, but, a lot of like the hype that it had. Because this didn't come out till actually 2021, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. It. And I think that it was because um, it was supposed to come out at some point in 2019. That it's listed on IMDb as 2019. I think that was its festival run. Mm-hmm. And then like oh, 2020 okay. was when it was supposed to come out. And then it was like almost a year. And uh, then I think it got released like in the UK months ahead. And then they just quietly dropped it over Easter weekends, you know, which is a clever time oh. to release it. But I think so much time <laughs> had passed that they didn't, that the, the marketing deflated. Uh, yeah so which is kind of disappointing because i thought it was really strong performances too yeah like it, it wasn't necessarily the subject matter that i was drawn to as much as kind of across the board performances from everyone and i i would recommend it if you like you said if you don't like hand holding uh this is good this works because <laughs> you're not going to get answers but you can i also feel like you could totally just watch this as a movie at surface level mm-hmm. And be like, all right. I mean, granted, the very end, you're kind of like, okay, I don't know what to think about that if I'm just taking this at surface level. But the rest of the movie, I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was well written, well directed. It was, it was an interesting twist on what the genre could otherwise have normally been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I liked it. Thank you. I, I really like that one too. I mean, you didn't ask. I have to tell you, but I really like that no. one. <laughs> I really like that one as well because it is so like. It's unsettling, and and the way it mm-hmm. is, it's it's like this striking words. It's very like striking. Like you don't you don't mm-hmm. really know what to expect, but when something happens, it happens like fast, and it happens like you know just real swift, real hard. You know, so like even with that ending, I love hearing how people interpret like the ending because mm-hmm. it, it's definitely again like one of those which I told you guys this like last episode I think I love like movies that start a conversation and this yeah. is definitely one mm-hmm. of them yeah like what X did for us in, in a deep deep dive yeah. that we did for Patreon that was a great episode yeah I, it makes me want to watch X again frankly and can't wait for Pearl uh, so yeah, that's enough out of me. How about you, Zena? Uh, so I checked out the prequel to the 2009 film Orphan, uh, First Kill from 2022. It's hitting theaters in, uh, Peacock, not Peacock, Paramount on the 19th, um, and some theaters on Thursday, the 18th. So after escaping from in a psychi- psychiatric facility, Esther travels to America by impersonating the missing daughter of a wealthy family. This one is wild, guys. Like, it is insane. <sighs> I'm a huge... Which we... I think we're all, like, a fan of the 2009 movie, right? We all... I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, cool, cool. So this one, to me, um, it is very satisfying. So if you love mm. that one from 2009, I feel like you may enjoy this one because I did. Isabel Furman, like she's back. She's amazing. Um she looks great. Like wow. <laughs> she has not aged. Still. They did a great job, you know, um with it. And I'm a fan of William Brent Bell uh cuz I feel like I spoke about some of his movies before like Stay Alive and Separation, yeah. but this is by far one of my favorite movies of his. And I, I think that this may be one of my favorites of 2022 so far, which is like a great feeling. So, yeah, it left me on the edge of my seat. The only thing is, and maybe I'm just greedy, I wanted it to be longer because the one from 2009, it was like two hours. And I know we were just complaining about movies that are like two hours, but I was so <laughs> into this movie that I wanted more. Like this one is only like 
I think an hour and like 39 or so minutes, but really enjoyed it. Well, it's all subjective, right? A a long movie that you love isn't a long movie. That's true. But but one that you're slogging through, it's like, are we even at the hour mark? Even a 70-minute movie could slog. True, true. But yeah, really enjoyed it a lot. So um, then the next thing I checked out, Pulse from 1988 on Tubi. A visiting son tries to warn his father and stepmother that they are threatened, being threatened by a living and intelligent pulse of electricity that moves from house to house and terrorizes residents. This was actually one of my favorite movies as a kid. And I just realized that it looks like it sparked sparked huh, get it okay yeah it kind of sparked my memory um because i remember watching this a lot as a kid in the in the mid 90s like my brother he would rent it from the library for me and then finally like my parents they bought me my own vhs copy of it which was you know yeah you you love me so yeah you have this uh this little kid he's like a preteen and again he's visiting his dad uh it's played by joey lawrence um not joey lawrence um <laughs> Is it Joey Lawrence? It's Joey Lawrence. It's played by Joey Lawrence. Is it Whoa <laughs> yeah. Joey Lawrence? Whoa Joey Lawrence. Or... Whoa, Joey. That's the official name. Whoa, whoa Joey yeah. Lawrence. Whoa Joey Lawrence. Yeah, it's Whoa Joey Lawrence. He's in it and he's um, just spending the summer with his dad and, and the new wife. And, you know, he's just not really impressed, you know? Not that he's a he's a bad kid. It's just more of like his dad's constantly always working all the time. So he's at this house. Their house is kind of boring, but the stepmother and plus is like the late 80s. So she's just like, what's the... I'm so sorry. He's still I... stuck on woe. <laughs> There's like 1% of our listeners that have any idea what woe, woe Joey Lawrence means. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. just like, yep, woe. That, that yeah. Woe. yeah, woe Joey, woe Lawrence. Joey Lawrence. Yeah, of course. Woe. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, Zina. It's okay. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so yeah, he's spending the summer with his dad and, and stepmother and... Um, you know, the house kind of sucks. Uh, it, it feels very cold, very disconnected. And I mean, his stepmother's cool. The father, he's okay, but he's constantly working all the time. So he doesn't really have time for his son like that. And so he's just he's just walking around the house. They have bars on the windows. And like, he's not impressed with their technology. And I know it's like the 80s because it's like, you know, whatever. But the, the stepmother's like really excited to like show him like, look, look at this. This is what we have. And he's just like, oh, okay. Mm, you know, didn't really care. <laughs> Fast forward, he meets this little kid named Stevie, who's played by his younger brother, <laughs> which is so cool. He is so cute with his little bowl haircut. So, um, yeah, and he pretty much gives him all the tea about his neighbor across the street, who basically his wife died and he, his grass is dying. There's some crazy stuff that's going on over there that people don't understand. So then he decides that he wants to break into the house because it's abandoned now. It's boarded up to see what's going on. When he's over there, he meets this old mysterious man who tells him about the electricity and for him to be careful. And throughout the time, some weird stuff is going on. I don't. I know it's an old movie, but I won't spoil it. Like I still like like the concept of this. I love the fact that it's a movie that kind of warns us about technology before the internet. You know, type of thing is cool. Um, oh, and then there's a line that's in here that's pretty funny, where it's like, "Pull the plug, lady. Pull the plugs," and that's how they can like stop like this like evil. You know, and something that was pretty cool. Like the guy who um, composed the music, he has like a really great resume. His name is Jay Ferguson. He also uh, did the music from like Tales from the Crypt and oh. uh, hmm. A Nightmare on Elm Street 5 um, and The Terminator, which I thought was like really cool. So because they it, it has like awesome music. But yeah, if you're looking for some 80s love, even though or it doesn't some really feel like a, 
or some whoa, you know. <laughs> uh, it doesn't really feel like an 80s movie. Um, I really did enjoy it. And it kind of just, again, kind of brought some stuff back for me that I forgot about from my childhood. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So before we move on, what did we watch and how did we watch it? Uh, I watched Love, Death, and Robots on Netflix and Last Shift on Prime Video. And I watched Xena's pick, 1BR on Shudder, and Megan's pick, St. Maud on Amazon. I checked out Orphan First Kill. Um, it'll be available in theaters and Paramount Plus on Friday the 19th. And I checked out Pulse on Tubi. And I don't need any homework for next week because there is at least one new release that I really want to check out. And there's something I'm in the middle of on Screenbox. So, so no homework probably for the next two weeks. We'll see. Okay. All right, enough about what we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. So what's going on, Megan? Uh, last week, I mentioned um, paranormal activity, specifically with uh, the Jason Blum interview where he said some less than kind things about Next of Kin. It's <laughs> uh, uh-huh. I'm not sure if it was something in that interview that gave the outlet this idea or what. But Oren Pelly did take to Twitter to say that there is no eighth paranormal activity currently in the works that is not accurate so i just wanted to been redacted yeah i just wanted to follow up and be like all right despite what the report said he's like no this is not happening at least at least it's not at the moment anyone skipped this episode yeah so so go back and listen to our backlog it's cool do it yeah um yeah so there you go that's an update but um in other news, the novel The Pale Blue Eye, written by Louis Bayard, is coming to Netflix courtesy of director Scott Cooper, with Christian Bale set to star in the film. There's no uh, date for The Pale Blue Eye's premiere on Netflix, but uh, the official MPA rating was just handed out this week, and it is rated R for some violent content and bloody images. Um, nice. What's interesting about this project for horror fans is that Edgar Allan Poe is a central character in the story, and Harry Potter actor Henry- Harry Melling has been cast in the role of Poe. Melling, who recently appeared in The Queen's Gambit, is perhaps best known for playing Dudley Dursley in the Harry Potter film franchise. The film is written and directed by Cooper. Uh, it's based on the, no- the 2006 novel of the same name. It's a gothic thriller uh, that he's been looking to make for more than a decade. It centers on a young cadet in the world... Uh, with- It centers on a young cadet the world would come to know as Edgar Allan Poe and a series of murders that took place at the United States Military Academy, West Point, in 1830. Uh, Christian Bale is producing and playing the detective at the center of the film. I had no idea. Surprise, there's an Edgar Allan Poe thriller on the way. Yeah. Yeah. At first, I was like, I don't remember an Edgar Allan Poe book called The Pale Blue Eye. I was thinking, is that the telltale heart with like the milky white eye? The milky white eye, like, yeah. Oh, Edgar Allan Poe's a character. Yeah, he's a character. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, interesting. Very interesting. Uh, a movie that I've been waiting for forever, um, Dark Harvest, is finally resurfacing. Um, this is set... Yeah. Set on Halloween 1963, Norman Partridge's novel, Dark Harvest. It's headed to the screen with David Slade behind 30 Days of Night, Hard Candy, Hannibal. He's directing a feature film that was at one point scheduled for release September 9th. That's been the date that was set forever, but clearly that's not the case. But there's um, we're we're less than a month now from that date. It's not going to happen because they haven't even started marketing. But. At yeah. some point, it's going to happen because the MPA just officially handled, handed the feature film adaptation an R rating for strong horror violence, gore, language throughout, and brief drug use. So 
it may not be happening September 9th, but the fact that there, there's an official rating means that we probably can expect some kind of rollout at some point in the near future. Um, nice. Maybe late October? I don't know. I don't know. It's a Halloween movie, so you feel like it's got to be around the Halloween season. Uh, Elizabeth Reeser, Jeremy Davis, Luke Kirby, Casey Likes, and Emery Crutchfield, uh, they star. The book is set during Halloween of 1963 in a small Midwestern town where teenage boys eagerly square off with the butcher knife-wielding October Boy, a.k.a. Old Hacksaw Face, a.k.a. Sawtooth Jack. I really like this. It's a short read. I've read the book, so I, and I like David Slade, so I've been super excited for this adaptation because it's... Oh, did David Slade do... Nope, thinking of something else. Hard Candy? I think it was actually a place called the... No, it was called like the Slade House uh, or something. That's no, not this is David a director. Slade. It's the Slade. Oops. Oops. Ignore, ignore my attempt to participate. You can still participate. Just, you know, that's, that's the wrong Slade. Just not well. You like, you yeah. like pumpkin people, right? <laughs> I do like pumpkin people. There you go. Participation trophy. Uh, I like pumpkin people. I like pumpkin people. <laughs> Ribbon for you. Um, Luca Guadagnino, he did the remake of Suspiria, the 2018 Suspiria. Uh, his next film is titled Bones and All with Timothy Chalamet and Taylor Russell. She's the lead in the Escape Room movies. Uh, they are starring in this unique horror love story. It's a cannibal love story. Bones and All has been acquired for worldwide release by the Amazon-owned MGM, and they just dropped a teaser this week that's now available online on Bloody Disgusting, or you know you can probably find it in the official Twitter account. Um, and it announces a November release. Doesn't say what date, but it's coming in this November. The film is said to be about two outsiders who embark on a thousand-mile odyssey through Ronald Reagan's America. When they discover they cannot run their terrifying past, the pair take a final stand to determine whether their love can survive their otherness. Uh, the script was written by David Kajanich, who wrote Suspiria. Um, Camille DeAngelis wrote the novel on which the movie is based. Um, it is a cannibal love story. The cast for the movie adaptation also includes Mike R Mark Rylance, Andre Holland, Jessica Harper, the original yeah. Susie Bannon from Suspiria, uh, Michael Stuhlberg, David Gordon Green, Fa Francesca Scorsese, and Chloe Savini. So, yeah. I love when uh, cannibals get together, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right, listeners, your turn. Did you dislike when I said milky white eye as much as I did? <laughs> Do you like pumpkin people? You can call or text us at 224-475-1040. The number is also in the show notes, or feel free to email us at bedisgustingpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, Zena is going to make all our lives easier in the sea of horror movie options and clue us in on what's appearing soon that we should be watching. So, Zena, what should we be watching? So, these first movies are Megan approved. So, Ooh. coming out uh, to Shudder Thursday, the 18th. Glorious. Yeah. Megan recently <laughs> yeah. spoke about it. She enjoyed it after a breakup. Wes ends up at a remote rest stop. He finds himself locked inside the bathroom with, with a mysterious figure speaking from an adjacent stall. Soon, Wes realizes he's involved in a situation more terrible than he could imagine. Doom, 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 doom. Doom, doom, doom. Then, <laughs> then we have the innocents. I'm going to shudder as well. During the summer, a group of children reveal their dark and mysterious power when the adults aren't looking. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> John, you have to do music too. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> you see that's what that i was, was waiting for. for all right guys i was waiting for that 
<laughs> yeah, see? Yeah. Well, 23 skidoo, see? Skidoo. That's what I'm here for. Skidoo. Then on Friday the 19th, Orphan First Kill will be available on Xena um, theaters. Xena approved, yeah. Xena You know, be available in theaters and on Paramount+. Plus. Then we also have Beast is coming to theaters. I don't know about you guys, but I haven't really been seeing too much uh, about this movie. Recently, <laughs> widowed Dr. Nate Daniels and his two teenage daughters traveled to a South African game reserved and managed by Martin Battles, an old family friend and a wildlife biologist. However, what begins as a journey of healing soon turns into a fearsome fight for survival when a lion, a survivor of a bloodthirsty, a survivor of a bloodthirsty poacher, poachers begin to stalk them. Do do you realize? I don't know. I feel like there's a subgenre of of people who undergo therapy by horror. It's like he's widowed. He's got he's got a loss. He's got to get over. You know how? You know what will make you get over that? A lion, a very hungry lion, will do that. Yeah, like why? Why can't we just go to the mall in, in South Africa? I'd rather just do that, Dad. You it's know? like gl- <laughs> glorious. He's got to get over a breakup. You know what will fix that? A cosmic glory hole in a bathroom. That Ew. will fix your problem. I think you might change the MPA rating on that one, but yeah, give it a shot. Yeah. Then finally, we have on Tuesday, the 23rd, Sovam would be hitting Shutter as well. A young outcast in a conservative town dreams of moving to the city to become a famous drag queen, but his plans are derailed when he is kidnapped. That sounds like a lot of fun. And as always, Bloody Disgusting TV is available for you as well as Screenbox. Yeah. And that's the Bloody Disgusting podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at Haunted Meg. Xena can be found on her own website, realqueenofhorror.com, and the YouTube channel of the same name, or at Lovely Xena on Twitter. And you can hear me on my weekly horror narration podcast, Creepy. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BeDisgustingPod or drop us an email at BeDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com. So, for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. And we're pumpkin people. Mm-hmm.